0: This is Let's Talk About from Style Canada. And let me tell you, we're talking. Let's face it, we talk a lot. We talk about things we love, hot topics, and anything in between. But what about the things we don't talk about? What about the things we want to know but don't know how to ask? Don't worry, we've got you covered. Let's expand our horizons. Let's talk about it. Hi, all and welcome. This week, we're talking about fertility with Alyssa Adkins. Alyssa is the founder and CEO of Lilia, an egg freezing concierge that helps women explore their fertility options. They provide research and guidance, making it easy for women to make one of the toughest choices, deciding whether to freeze their eggs. The goal of Lilia is to give women the freedom of celebrating family planning according to their own timeline, not the one society puts out for us. Backed by some of Canada and Silicon Valley's most renowned ventures, Lilia has been featured in sources like Forbes, The Globe and Mail, Flair Magazine, and more. Alyssa, thank you so much for being here with us today.
1: Absolute pleasure.
0: You were one of the first people I talked to about the podcast and the idea of having these conversations at you know, we're not always having. So yeah, it's kind of full circle that that you can join us for this really important topic, I think, for women in our age bracket.
1: Hugely important. I'm delighted that we're giving airtime to this. Topic. Yes.
0: Agreed. Agreed. So take us through first a little bit about your story, how you got started talking about fertility, etc.
1: Okay. So I, like most women, was making a plan based on, you know, putting my finger in the air, I'll probably have kids when I'm like, I don't know, 32, 33, 34. <laughs> and, you know, unlike all of the other decisions I was making in my life, which were very much based on data, this one seemed to just be kind of, you know, we'll, we'll see where it flies. And the first time I started thinking about my fertility was when uh, my 10-year-long relationship with my high school sweetheart came to an end. And it was just one of those things, you, you know, I didn't expect. And so I was 27 at the time by the way 27 seems to be a year where everyone starts thinking of I don't know what it is about 27 I need to look into this but like everybody starts having the crisis we think it's 30 no it's 27 so that's the first time fertility kind of was on my radar and I was like okay I I need to just have this in the back of my mind then my stepmom went through early menopause when she was 36 wasn't something I even realized could happen and so then I was like oh you know this is something I I really should be serious about and The real kicker for me, the galvanizing force was when my, I I began a relationship, my partner now who's four years younger than me. And this age gap turns out is actually kind of common, I've noticed. And we started needing to have hard conversations about timelines. You know, I was doing the dating math of, okay, if, if I want to have kids by the time I'm 35 was this number that stood out, then working backwards, I need to have met the right person yesterday because we need to date for a year and, you know, on and on it goes. And, you know, love you know, sweetheart, could you please sign this contract that, you know, you're going to have a kid with me by the time I'm 35, you know, and if not, I need to go meet someone. And so it just, put all this pressure on me and my relationship. And we were like, are we going to break up because of this thing? You know, we, we, that is so nebulous. We neither of us has a real hold on it. So that's when I, I started wanting to take action and I was just trying to see what my options were, you know, going down the Google rabbit hole, I consider myself a smart person and I'm trying to navigate through these medical journals and what's true about fertility and does egg freezing work? And you know, how does this all work? So I, you know, it took me months to get a fertility test and to, to get, I had to go into the clinic twice to, to review the results. And I'm trying to navigate my way on Google. I don't know anybody, at least who publicly speaks about their experience here. And so I was just like, I got to do something about this. And so Lilia is really the company that I wish existed when I started navigating my fertility and what my options were.
0: Mm-hmm. it's interesting because even when you say you know that you had to go and get tested I didn't even know that there was a test that existed right. like no. I didn't even know the AMH test was a thing yes. in my experience was a little was definitely different than you in that I was 21 had ovarian cancer should have done egg freezing before the procedure was even done and wasn't told any of that and so after thankfully I was I they were able to keep one of my ovaries. And so I was still able to have children, but I was just like, not going to leave it up to chance at that point. Exactly. And so I went through, through that journey um, afterwards, but similarly to you, like you go through all the same, I think every woman kind of goes through all these same deadlines and timelines. And so, yeah, it's, it's interesting how little information there is out there and exactly the same as you. I didn't know where to turn to. Like, I just happened to be lucky that lucky. I don't know if that's the right word, but happened to have resources in that our charity was having conversations around fertility. And so I started to use those doctors that I had encountered through the cancer charity. Otherwise, like, I don't know where I would have gone.
1: Well, exactly. And it's it's tragic, really, that our system is not designed to consider preserving our reproductive options. You know, your doctors were focused on saving your life at 20. And they should have considered what your life would be like afterward, right? right. And they should have told you, hey, this is going to, this could compromise your fertility. And our system is just not designed to be proactive, it is very much designed to be reactive. That is how our doctors are trained. I've heard horror stories of our members, women going to their doctors saying at 30, you know, saying, hey, I'd like to understand my fertility. And the mm-hmm. doctor's telling them, you know what, come back when you're 35, go meet someone, come back when you have a husband and you're trying. No, no, we need better. We need to do better than that. Mm-hmm. You know, we need to make it easy for women to be proactive and understand our bodies and what our options are.
0: Mm-hmm. And you're right. Like we're most often like the type of woman that we're probably, I don't want to say the type of woman we're talking about, but like the type of woman that's maybe like in her thirties and is career focused, like she is type A and has a plan anyway. So like, to just say, well, come back in a bit of time and leave it up to fate, like that's not going to really roll well with no. that
1: person. No, to your point earlier, it's like this is a group of women who doesn't leave things to chance, right? You know, I, I, I'm not going to just wait and see because I've seen what happens when people wait and see, and it's way more expensive and it's way more emotionally taxing, and that's just it's it's not the way a large cohort a generation of women really are thinking about their lives and their fertility. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's obviously important for women to have this information, but what's your, what's at the basis of why you think that's important
1: to me? It's, I can, I'm a very data driven person, maybe pathologically. We are, it's important to know about our fertility because we are making decisions about our lives without complete information, and we use data to drive every other decision in our lives. Largely, right? We wear these sleep trackers and mm-hmm. you know track our runs. And why aren't we using data to inform a decision as important as whether and when and how we want to have kids? And it's affecting people. Think this is oh, this is something that'll f- affect later me. Like I mentioned earlier, this was affecting very much present me and my mm-hmm. relationship and what options I thought I had. And you know, people. People assume it's going to be okay. I'll be fine. I'll just have kids when I want. Like probably, hopefully, but we've had members who are 29 with mm-hmm. premature ovarian failure, and thank God they were proactive and that they, you know, what kind of went around the system and and, and used Lilia to get uh, information about their options. And those women at 29 froze froze their eggs. Some had to do two cycles to get enough eggs. And now she, like, now she has options later that she just would not have had. And that can change which partner you choose and which career you go into and how much you throw yourself into it, right? The other thing I I believe is there's no equality without reproductive equity. And I think about, again, just going back to my relationship where it was this weird power dynamic where, you know, I kind of needed him more than he needed me because, I needed him to have kids by a certain age, and if not, I needed to go baby daddy hunting. And egg, egg securing is just the best technology we have right now to even that playing field and give women that sense of reproductive equity.
0: Mm-hmm. I figured you would touch on that, so I'm happy that you did did make mention of that. Kind of like the bigger the, <laughs> yeah. the bigger kind of dynamics that are happening there, right? And yeah. you know what I loved about your website because obviously that's a first of all it's a great resource for anyone just thinking of looking into, you know, what are my fertility options? You have this entire section doca- dedicated to the science and you, you mentioned the data and how you're data driven. I think there's a lot of scare tactics almost out there for women too. So can you take us through what the science is telling us about our bodies, when we should be doing the freezing kind of all of that. And I know there's a lot of data yep. there, so maybe we could take it piece by piece, but
1: totally. Okay. And let me preface this with like, <sighs> I have no incentive for you to freeze your eggs. Like Lily doesn't get paid per person who freezes their eggs. Like it doesn't affect my life if you're going to freeze your eggs. So this is just the tea. Okay. <laughs> so starting at the beginning, we're born with all the eggs we're ever going to have and they decrease in quality and quantity over time. That decrease starts to happen more significantly at 30 and it kind of drops off at 35. Generally Th- this, this rate is different for everybody. And that's why some people have premature ovarian failure at 29, and others can have a baby when they're 41 with no assistance, right? And so when you secure your eggs, you retrieve your eggs at that age to save them for later. And so let's talk about like one fertility predictors, okay? Can you test your fertility? Good news, bad news, there's no green light, red light of a fertility test. Like you're not going to go into the doctor and they're going to say, okay, Elise, you're infertile, you can never have babies, most likely, right? They're gonna say, we tested the quantity of your eggs and you have about the average number of eggs I would expect for someone at your age. Or they'll say, "You know, to, to the woman I talked about, you have way fewer eggs than we would expect. And what do you wanna do about that? Or they'll say to me, who I have PCOS, something 10% of women have as common as being left-handed, you have way too many eggs, so there's probably something going on here. <laughs> So that's, that's what a fertility test will tell you
0: in the fertility a- test. Is that the AMH test
1: or yes. so there's, okay. there's two kind of mark uh, biomarkers. So one is an AMH anti-mullerian hormone blood test. The other is an ovarian ultrasound. So they put a, like a little probe in your vagina. doesn't hurt. It's like not the most comfortable thing in the world. And they look at your ovaries and literally count up the, the follicles that should be holding, holding eggs.
0: No more procrastinating that doctor's appointment and blaming it on the pandemic. I was amazed at how quickly I was matched with a doctor for my issue and how conveniently and efficiently I was diagnosed and prescribed the right medication for me. You can get checked out by a Canadian doctor right from the comfort of your couch in minutes with Maple. Available in Canada from coast to coast, Maple is a credible virtual care platform connecting you with Canadian licensed healthcare providers. With more than 1,500 plus providers on their platform, Maple can connect you to GPs and more than 15 kinds of specialists, including dermatologists, psychotherapists, dietitians, naturopaths, and more. Maple has more than 200,000 five-star reviews. So it's safe to say Canadians love them and you will too. Head to getmaple.ca backslash style for more information.
1: I, I can't stress this enough. Age... Is the most important predictor of, fer- of fertility. So your your eggs at 28 are necessarily healthier than your eggs at 35. And so they're the healthiest and most abundant they'll ever be now. And I'm not like this is not to scare you. This is thing, these are things I wish I knew that every woman should know that they yeah. missed in yeah. our sex ed class. Right. Right. <laughs> um. And so what happens, let's let's talk about like what happens during egg freezing, right? Is People ask, well, if I take out my eggs, does that mean I have fewer? No, it does not. So what happens is every month our body releases a crew of eggs and it picks one to pop into the fallopian tube and meet a sperm and the rest just die in our bodies. And so with egg freezing, you retrieve that crew of eggs that would have died and say, Hey, eggs, don't die. We're going to come get you. And you retrieve those and, and you save those ones that would have died so that you can use them later.
0: Oh, I didn't realize. I didn't realize
1: that. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody tells us that. How would you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, Hmm. So, so the important thing here though, is to do it early. I wish I knew this sooner. Like when I went and got my fertility test, I learned I have PCOS. So it means it, I ovulate irregularly. I've been on birth control since I was like 16. So as if I would have known I ovulate irregularly. So when I go to try to get pregnant on my own, I would have to go to fertility clinic anyway to regulate my cycle. And so having a high egg count also made me a really good candidate for egg freezing because that meant I could get a lot of eggs in one cycle. And egg freezing is very much a numbers game. You wanna, it's like, think of it like a funnel. You want a high number of high quality eggs. Remember age equals quality. High number of high quality eggs because not all those eggs are gonna survive being frozen and thawed. And not all of those are gonna survive being fertilized with sperm not all of those will survive genetic testing, right? And so you want kind of a lot of eggs at the top of the funnel to get a good genetically tested embryo that you can put in your uterus. And so that's why I say like, if you know you want to freeze your eggs and you can afford it, like don't wait until you're 35. You're It's a higher ROI now. You're going to get more le- eggs, spend less money for a higher success rate. The other thing people don't always think about is freezing eggs for babies number two and three. So we had a member come in who she is, I think 30, 31, you know, my age, and she decided that she's going to retrieve her eggs. She's going to fertilize some of those eggs now with her partner's sperm and have a baby now. And then she's going to save the rest for babies number two and three. So she can just take her time, you know, she'll have her right. baby now. And then if she wants to have baby two and three, and she's 38, 39, she can do that. Mm-hmm, is mm-hmm. that making sense?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I love how to what I liked on the, the part of your site about the science was that you have that calculator with the scale of, you know, if I'm this age and I frozen this many eggs, I have this percentage chance of a live birth. So what is the how many eggs do you want at egg freezing time mm. to I was told it's about 18, I believe, to to have a pretty good chance of one live birth. Yeah, so
1: let me caveat this first with the age you freeze your eggs matters. Right. So again, the sooner you do it, the fewer eggs you're going to need because fewer of those eggs will have genetic abnormality, which will, that will cause them to fail, you know, genetic testing. So most of the science points to about 15 to 20 eggs for you to feel like you have about 85 to 90% chance of at least one baby. If you're 28, and you get 15, 20 eggs, you know, some fertility doctors have joked with me, like you could probably get four babies out of that. If you're 36 and you freeze 15 eggs, it's a very different story. Right. right? So that's why age really matters. So you want to do about 15 to 20 so far is, is what we're seeing.
0: And I like that you brought us through that funnel too, because I think it's important. First of all, I think that stat is really important, like 15 to 20, depending on age, but just to give you a good roundabout idea, because I know when I was going into it, I'm like, okay, well, okay. I got X. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. But I also like the idea, like the, the mentality. I don't like the mentality, but I like that you spoke about, you know, there's steps to this, right? Like, it's not like you go freeze your eggs and you're, if if you get 20, you're guaranteed, like then you have to do step B, C, D. Right. So, um, I think that that's important to kind of get across too. Does the genetic testing happen at the, with the embryo is that phase? Is that what it
1: happens? at? Let, Not yeah, phase, right? it does. But, Let me take you through that. First. I just want to say one more point on the success rates is I don't want anybody to treat this like a guaranteed insurance, right? Yeah. So I froze 19 eggs at 29, very high quality, high number of eggs. I still am like, I know I can't bank on those hundred percent. Cause you just, who knows? Yeah. And yeah. so I am it's very important people know that this is a numbers game. The quantity you get, the age you get them matters, and you know doctors will still say try to consume if you can. Um, yeah. But I don't want people freezing six eggs at forty and thinking they're they're going to get something. So yeah. it's it's, it's really important. important just to stress that. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about embryo freezing and genetic testing. So. The, the initial process, if you think of like IVF, egg freezing, embryo freezing, the initial process is all the same. So it's about two weeks and you're going to give your body these little hormone injections sounds worse than it is. You like grab the fat on your stomach, poke it with a little needle, more of a mental exercise. Like we're programmed not to want to totally. ourselves with sharp objects, yeah. <laughs> um, but you can totally do it. Um, and that, that, those hormones are telling member that crew of eggs, Hey, little eggs, don't die. We're going to come get you. Okay. So that happens for about 10 days. Everybody's symptoms are different. Pretty much whatever you get for PMS. I don't know what yours were like. Mine was like, my boobs hurt. I was constipated. Like I was more tired, but. I was more tired. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Like they weren't, honestly, it wasn't anything terrible. I definitely felt more bloated and more tired. But then I've had friends that have done it that didn't feel tired, uh, but felt
1: bloated. Like, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't anything I was going to say, she She was like, I've never felt better than when I was on those hormones. Really? Oh, <laughs> no, I have not heard that. that. Yeah, I've <laughs> heard that from one and only one person.
0: Um, but it definitely, I think, and we'll get into this a little later, I would say it's more the mental than the physical, which we can yeah. talk about a little later. So keep yeah. going. Sorry.
1: So so, so that's going to happen for about 10 days. You're also going to be going to the fertility clinic about every Every day, every other day, because they're, this is where the art kind of meets science of, of fertility preservation, because the doctors are looking at your ovaries and your blood work and seeing like, how, how are these eggs developing? Like, how, how is this going? And so that's the, that process is the same for everybody. Another, just like, I guess a tangent side effect was I surprisingly had never felt connected to my body in this way. Mm-hmm. I've never grown anything inside of my body, you know, that I was very acutely aware of. And I remember around day nine and 10 being like, this is so cool. You know, I looked at my little bloated tummy. I was like, these are the eggs that are going to, you know, be one of my future babies. Like one of my future babies is in here right now. And so yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I don't have, ai feel, I don't, I'm not, I don't have a lot of maternal instincts. And so that actually just felt really special anyway. So two weeks. Then you're gonna, they're gonna, you're gonna give yourself a finer, final trigger shot. They call it. You go to the clinic about a day and a half later, and they retrieve your eggs. So this happens it happens different in the U.S. and Canada. In Canada, they give you this great drug cocktail. You float away. You shouldn't feel anything or remember anything. I apparently was singing "Happy Birthday" to my eggs as they were coming out. <laughs> Where um, in the U.S. they put you right to sleep. Okay. So they go in through your vagina, no cutting in through your vagina with a little probe. And they basically vacuum out the ovaries, they suck them out and you need someone to bring you home. And then most women are back on their feet the next day. Some people mm-hmm. get what's called ovarian hyperstimulation, but you usually recover from that pretty quickly. So that's, and then, and then you go live your life, right? So that's the egg retrieval process. So then there's a few things you can do. People freeze our eggs. That's kind of the end of it for now. We take those eggs, they you secure them in liquid nitrogen, and when we're when we want to use them, we go back. Then there's the embryo creation. So that's when you fertilize the egg with sperm and they'll wait a few days to see how that embryo develops. And then you test genetically test the embryo. So eggs, I wish we could test them, we can't. They're too fragile. If you test them, you break them. So when you freeze your eggs, you actually don't know how many of those eggs are going to turn into a genetically viable embryo.
0: Don't, they, you, don't they do some sort of test though? Like if they last the fruit, isn't there something that happens after they retrieve them? I don't know if it's a test or they yeah, just let so you know how many made
1: it. How many are mature? Exactly. Mature. Thank you. Yeah, so say okay. maybe they get 20 eggs, but only eight of them looked good. Right. So they'll call right. you and say, Hey, we got eight. We, we got 20 and 18 were mature. So we're, we're yeah. freezing 18. Yeah. And that's, like an
0: important filter too, right? Because like you could have this whole time you're going through the process, you could have 25 eggs and then at the extraction, there could be X number of that were mature and that are, that are viable. But sometimes I think they also, the immature ones can't, don't they also like give them a couple of days sometimes or sometimes, sometimes
1: we see, especially in women, again, this is why age is important in women who are freezing their eggs after 35 they'll have more of that instance where we got a lot, but we could only freeze a couple, you know, oh, or we wow. froze a bunch, but not a lot of them made it through. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, if you really are, are kind of reaching to get as many eggs as you can, sometimes they'll let, they'll see what what the immature ones do. Um, wow. But usually they can tell right away. And so that's eggs. So then embryos, you can, so you take the egg, fertilize the sperm, genetically see, give it a few days, genetically test it. And only a certain amount of those will make it through, right? So that's egg freezing, that's embryo freezing. So if you say you have, if you're in a um, heterosexual sexual relationship, your partner has sperm, you're like, this is baby daddy, you could do embryo freezing, which we've seen people do. Now, the caveats, you are tied to that sperm. Like, there's no undoing There's no it. refund right, policy. So. <laughs> no refund on this. Exactly. You got to be sure. Um and then people who do IVF the difference is they will implant that embryo pretty much right away. Right? And so there's egg freezing is we're going to secure the eggs, embryo freezing is we're going to genetically test and secure those, and then IVF is when we're going to we're going to try and get pregnant right away with that embryo. Okay. Okay, great.
0: And then how many times can a woman's body handle the egg freezing process? Like, is there, so let's say, you know, the first round, you only freeze five, you know, you'd like one live birth. Do you go back for that other one? And how many times can your body take yeah. that?
1: I don't know what the upper limits are, but I do know people who have done at least, you know, three rounds. And if you think of people yeah. who do IVF, they're doing this like six times sometimes. Right. Um, right. So what, the, what they'll usually do is just have you space it out So we've had people who in their first round, they got, you know, eight eggs, even if they're 31 and they say, I want to be more sure. And so they wait uh, maybe a month or two, depending on how it just really is personal preference, how much Mm -hmm. time you want to recover. Mm -hmm. And then they'll, they'll do it again.
0: Mm -hmm. And so we talked a little bit about obviously the procedure itself. Now I know, do you want to talk how, your company kind of facilitates, because there are costs, there's obviously costs involved. Otherwise I'm sure more of us would be doing it. I know for, and not so much for your company, but for the cost of egg freezing in general. Yeah. Um, and that's, that is kind of where I think that some funding should be coming into play for women. Cause I know they have, what is it like you can do a, the government covers here in Canada, a round of IVF, but if you're single and just want to do egg freezing, they don't cover that at least. Yeah. It, as far as I know. Okay. So there's all
1: kinds of bullshit here with <laughs> coverage and insurance coverage. It's, it's really something we want to, to kind of make some noise about soon. So yeah, in Ontario, uh, if you, they'll cover one round of implantation. So that's, okay. that's like putting the, the embryo into the uterus and there's no coverage for women who want to delay having a child. And this is the same in the US, you know, the insurance coverage will often will often say we'll cover you if you're trying to get pregnant and failing, but not if you're trying to be proactive. And this is where I mean, our system is so reactive instead of proactive. It's so much more expensive to cover this re- uh, reactively, you know, right. than to, to be proactive about it. Um, so let's break down the cost. So there's the, the initial cost of, you know, consultations, blood testing. This is a few hundred dollars. Then the actual egg freezing cost, I kind of break it up into three. So first is, you know, paying the clinic for their services, I guess. This is, you know, paying the doctors, paying, paying them for actually doing the egg freezing. And this is anywhere from, I'd say it could be five to $10,000 on the upper end. Then there's the cost of medications. Remember those hormones you're poking yourself with to tell those eggs don't die. And that can be anywhere from three to 6,000. And so now we're at like eight to 15,000, right? And then there's the yearly storage. Yearly storage is pretty affordable. It's only 500, three to $500 a year. So it's it's not a low ticket item. You know, it's an investment of about 10 to 15 K. Now I will say this is the best 15K I have ever invested in myself. And, you know, we were talking earlier a little bit about the emotional side of things. You know, I thought egg freezing was going to be something I was doing for future me. I completely underestimated the impact it had on present me. And so Mm -hmm. that 15K I thought was, you know, a hedge, but I walked out of this, like just bursting, you know, I felt I was like, is this how dudes feel walking around the earth? Like they can just do whatever they want. (laughs) Totally. You know, and I threw a big party. Like I threw a huge egg freezing celebration and I I underestimated just what it would do for present me. The way I would look at my relationship differently, Mm -hmm. you know, the way I'd feel more time in my career. If you're getting, if you have family who are asking about timelines, you know, you have a strong answer to it. And so it actually felt afterward like this radical act of self-love. I just felt so powerful and free. We all have
0: our skin issues. Maybe it's redness, acne, scarring, whatever it is, it's important to speak with a professional to understand what treatment options are right for you. And the good news is you can do it now right from home. With Maple, you can start talking to a dermatologist about your symptoms in a matter of minutes. It took me less than five minutes to get a prescription with the option of free delivery to my home. Simply download the app or head to getmaple.ca, log in, tap a button to request a consultation, and you will be immediately connected to a doctor via live chat or video. To learn more, visit getmaple.ca backslash style so you can feel good in your skin this summer. It definitely feels like you're... And I know it's not an insurance policy, but it definitely feels like you're taking a weight off in a way. A hundred percent. I would a hundred percent agree with that. I think it's important to note on the cost too. like a lot of companies will cover the drug portion and I shouldn't say a lot, but I know like my company at the time, like covered part of the drug portion friends that I have d- have had done it have covered part of the drug portion. So that does yeah. help with the cost. And if you are like in my case, because I had the, the, di- the cancer diagnosis, there are also drug companies that have compassionate coverage for the, for the drug portion and a lot of clinics that will give compassionate coverage for the procedure portion. So yeah. I guess like depend circumstance, depending, you know, look more into those costs because yeah, it's a big number to see all at once, I guess, in a way, but there are some, some services out there. And to your point, honestly, even if I ended up paying the whole amount, I would have, there wouldn't have been a question yeah. about doing it yeah. or not. So, and that's obviously coming from a place of, of having the funds and the privilege to do that. So I recognize that, but yeah, for, for me, it wouldn't have, that wasn't, wasn't my breaking decision breaker, I guess.
1: (laughs) Totally. It's just still so worth it. So other things on costs. So, I mean, one thing not to plug Lilia, but we do um, one, look into people's insurance and find them sometimes hidden coverage on the medication costs. Cause you're right. Procedures often not covered. Sometimes we can find medication coverage Two is a lot of the clinics we partner with offer discounts to our members And it's it's just because they're competing with each other. (laughs) You know, they're like, I don't want to lose a a customer because this other clinic is offering a better price. So they'll, we can save people a thousand to two thousand dollars on their clinic Mm
0: -hmm.
1: procedure cost. And then, you know, in terms of financing, I froze my eggs at the worst possible time in my life financially. I had just, I had quit my full time job because I was realizing this was such a big problem. I wanted to do something about it. And all my savings were supposed to go to rent for a long time. And so I actually just made myself this low interest. Uh, I had access to a low interest line of credit. And I just kind of made myself a little plan just so I didn't have to feel it all at once. And um, you know, if you break it down, it ends up being like 800 bucks a month for one year. Yeah. And it was important enough for me to carve that out.
0: Well, and now is kind of when you think of, I mean, assuming you're working from home, like we all, you know, if you are still making money financially, you're probably not spending your money on something else. And from a logistics standpoint, also not a bad time to not have to worry about going to the doctor every morning and then going to the office or something like that. So, you know, I think, I think that for that aspect, it's not a bad time to be thinking about doing this if it was something on your mind. So with Lilia, tell us a little bit more about the services that you offer there and how, like walk us through what that looks like for someone that's interested.
1: Okay, so Lilia, I would say Lilia is for time-strapped women. We're definitely not for people who love spending hours on Google and like doing a ton of research. So time-strapped women who don't want kids now and don't wanna leave things to chance. So we let you explore egg freezing 10 times more conveniently by putting all the information you need to decide if, when, and where to freeze your eggs in one place and completely personalized. So you can book fertility testing and get your review results with a specialist. You can compare doctors and their reviews. Um, You can compare clinic success rates and costs And you get a custom insurance report outlining your coverage. Plus you get a human guide by your side. And so this is really what I wish existed when I started out. Mm -hmm. It's like one place for everything I want to know all super conveniently with someone who's not Google guiding me through each step. Well, and what I love
0: the most is the idea of that you've kind of worked with certain clinics. You can look at doctor reviews because Mm -hmm. talking a little bit to that emotional side if you've never gone through any sort of like medical something or other, you might not realize how important the doctors and the care you're getting are. And as someone that's gone through a lot of that, like they are literally not only the make and break from a scientific standpoint, but like the make or break and how you mentally handle a journey like that.
1: Absolutely. And this is something that if you've not gone through it, you underestimate. We've had people who they look at Lily and they're like, "Eh, I'll do this myself. And they come back and they're like, I am not doing this myself. (laughs) And totally, people think often it's about the clinic. It is about the clinic. You really want to make sure you're at a clinic that's going to be around that has a good lab experienced embryologist, but the doctor can affect your results too. So uh, actually we've had people who in my my own case, I was, I was going through the egg freezing And halfway through, they told me, you know, we have about this many eggs and it just wasn't enough. I wanted more. And I happened to know another fertility specialist and I let her know, Hey, this is what I've got. And she advised me up your meds. You can handle it. Take more. And so I got more eggs because of that. So your doctor actually can, can really make an impact in your success rate, And that's why it's important. We tell people to interview, like interview doctors, interview a couple of them and see who, who are you going to trust? Who are you going to feel like you're going to have a good experience with? Because it is emotional. You know, it is, there's a lot of emotions tied into it. And I don't want to skip that part. Can we talk more about it? Yeah, I do. I was just going
0: to say, yeah. Go ahead.
1: (laughs) So something I hear a lot, one of the biggest blockers for women freezing their eggs is an emotional or mental block. Am I behind? Does this mean I failed at something? Uh, do I need to do this? You know, maybe I'll meet someone. And to address those two things, one, let me tell you, no, you are not behind. Like, no, you didn't fail at something. Society has this very narrow, very vestigial prescriptive narrative about how women should be, what we should have done by when. And now we're comparing ourselves to each other in crippling ways on social media. And I've talked to hundreds of women at this point, okay, about breathing. And what I can tell you is no matter where they're at, no matter what they've accomplished, they feel behind. Everybody feels behind. So no. Isn't that crazy behind. in
0: and of itself that society makes us all feel like we're so behind? Yeah.
1: Totally. And so yeah. it's like, oh, if I don't, I'm 30 and I don't have kids in a house and a husband, like I failed, I'm behind. No, you're not. Society has tr- changed tremendously. Our narratives have not caught up with the ways right. that it's changed. And so that's just like a mental block to get over. Right. And then the other thing people say is, you know, do I need to do this? Maybe I'll meet someone. And I always say, look, sis, you're amazing. You're going to meet someone. And when you do, these eggs will be ready for you to use or not. Right. You know, it, right. it really is about present you having more options and like feeling like she can do whatever the hell she wants because the world could use more women doing whatever the hell we want, and so we really have to bust out of this ancient narrative about what it means to be a woman and you know when we should do what by when and just start kind of making our own rules.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. And what I will say too on the emotional side, like what is of some help is if you find a friend or, or through mm-hmm. through Lilia someone that's gone through it to just kind of have that conversation because you will feel emotional. Hormones are pumping yeah. through your body and there will feel like, you know, I remember going into the clinic as a single person and seeing couples there with babies and, and all of that is a very like real emotional experience. So don't, I guess mentally prepare yourself for that too, and have a little bit of that peer support system built in to help you to help you when you're actually going through the process of it. I think that's important. Yeah.
1: I mean, I was messaging, DMing random people on Instagram, and that was fine. with With Lilia, you get a you get a basically a peer group. So we put you in. Yeah, we put you in small cohorts. So there's a group. There there would be WhatsApp groups of you know five to six people who are at this. They either are at the same stage as you they just went through it or they're just about to. So you have awesome. this kind of peer guide because it, yeah, to your point, it ends up being really important. And sometimes you just want to be like, wow, my boobs hurt. Is this normal? Like, totally. you know, should I totally. be feeling this way at this point? And it, yeah. it ends up being really important.
0: No, I love that you do that. I think that is like beyond important because- Just for those little questions for the bad day that might happen when you're doing it for the good day, like peer support in general. It's funny as we do more and more podcasts, peer support, no matter what the population seems to be like people not feeling alone, one of the most important uh, factors in art, even like just mental health and getting through difficult times so um I love that you did that I love 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 that you do that so we're having this fertility conversation and what what year are we in 2021 what do you <laughs> think I don't even know what day it is never mind What like a year I, I remember know what month it is I
1: thought that. it was March 2020 you know this <laughs> <laughs> what do
0: we think in let's say 2026 2030 what do you think the fertility conversation is going to look like then?
1: So feel free to disagree with me. I think egg freezing is the future. Absolutely. That's why I'm betting my life on it. You know, I think in half a decade, you know, it's going to be the de facto graduation gift from college. I think women will freeze our eggs by 30 as this symbolic moment of entering womanhood. I think we'll throw parties to celebrate in the same way we do engagement parties and wedding showers and baby showers. And I just think this is, this is going to become the norm. I think it, it won't be done in response to something missing or being wrong, but just because we have a hell of a lot of things we want to do before having a kid, whether it's travel career, you know, financial stability, you don't want to settle for who your partner is going to be. And I can already see, I can see, you know, imagine groups of women being like, Oh, Alyssa hasn't frozen her eggs yet. Like we need to, you know, we need to do have to talk to Do her. you
0: see that in like younger, I guess right now you're probably not. It's not like you're going to schools and talking to people yet. But I think of, you know, who I think of actually the Mindy Project didn't when totally. she opened the fertility clinic yeah. and she started going to schools and talking right to Like, I wonder how much earlier those conversations will start. Do you, are you seeing them starting
1: earlier at all? Absolutely. Yet or, yeah, absolutely. So we're seeing like the average age of a Lily member who freezes her eggs is about 30, you know, okay. 30 to, to 32 compared to the national averages, which are about 36. And again, I'm so happy to see this because the sooner you do it, I get the more effective it is. Like if you think you're gonna do it, don't wait until 36. Don't wait, cause you might meet someone. Like you're gonna meet someone. <laughs> this is about you now. Right. And so um, I'm having, I have some conversations with women who are 24 and 25 who unfortunately are being walked out of fertility clinics. You know, they'll go to the clinic and say, hey, I think I wanna freeze my eggs. We had one person who went to a clinic and said, she wanted to freeze her eggs. She's 25. She's a founder. She's like, I, I know I'm going to want a surrogate and I know I don't want kids now. So I want to freeze my eggs. And they were like, you know, come back when you're 30 and you're trying or ready. But by the way, do you want to donate your eggs? Oh gosh, <laughs> I know. And so it's <laughs> like, we know doing it earlier is better. And it's just what holds us back is the financial uh, investment. Right. And so absolutely seeing people talk about it earlier so encouraging now seeing people do it earlier and sometimes you just need to see someone else who's done it absolutely a lot of people say they're like oh Alyssa you were talking about it so openly you look so happy so you know that's what galvanized me I realized after I first met I had three friends who had done it who had it really interesting
0: I was always pretty open yeah like I've always been very open about it as well with friends because why not be like what What's the, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Like I said, I threw
1: a huge party and was like, this is something that this is a moment in my life, you know? This is something to celebrate. So I think I read something I that you just going.
0: I I think I read something that you're hoping the party the future goes to those kind of parties too. So what is you know you you kind of hinted at some of what's next for Lilia. Is there anything that you can share right now, or should we just stay tuned?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, right now we're really focused on helping women who one want know they want to freeze their eggs and need to pick a doctor clinic, and women who are exploring it. So. Again, you don't necessarily have to, you don't have to be decided on egg freezing to you, Lilia This is about getting you the data you need to make a decision. And you do need data. Like, please don't make the decision like I was, finger in the air. You know, get the data and just be confident about your decision. So that's really what we're focused on now. What we're, what we're looking to bring more light to is people's stories. So kind of in this, in this vein is how can we amplify the messages of women who are freezing their eggs and normalize this conversation? You know, we had um, two women just this, this month who started are freezing their eggs, both 30, one has endometriosis, one is in a same sex partnership. And, you know, how can we tell and amplify their stories to make this look like the badass investment it is. Mm -hmm. And so I think just being more vocal advocating, you know, more for some of the coverage we talked about, you know, it's total nonsense that women who want to be proactive are given fewer options than people who are trying to have kids and aren't able to. So that's really what we're focused on, you know, highlighting and celebrating women taking control of their lives and breaking these ancient narratives and making it easy to explore, get data and make a decision you're confident in.
0: Well, I love it. I, I'm so energized speaking to you. Cause I feel like I'm like, like pumped about egg freezing and fertility. Yeah. <laughs> You're a great hype girl for
1: it. Thank you. <laughs> that was actually part of like the founder market fit for this when, when, I say Lilia chose me. I didn't even choose Lilia. It kind of was something I just had to do. Mm -hmm. And I was like, who else is going to hype it like this? You know, I'm happy to go out there with my, with my megaphone and say, Hey, this is not what we thought. This isn't only for women who are, who are out of options or as a last resort, like this is for young women who want to do shit. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, what a perfect note to end on. Thank you so much, Alyssa, for being here with us today and looking forward to continuing this important conversation, whether it's on our platforms with Lilia, whatever that looks like, where can people find more information on, on Lilia?
1: Go to hellolilia.com. Perfect. Perfect.
0: Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This was so fun. Thank you for tuning into this conversation. We will have a brand new one on a brand new topic every Monday. If you were intrigued by anything in our conversation, we encourage you to talk about it. Tell a friend, post on social media, take action in your very own way. Subscribe to get the newest episode at your fingertips as soon as it drops. Until next time, check out Style Canada, a disruptor in the media for its community of inquisitive style seekers. You can find us at style.ca or on social media. Just like this podcast, Style Canada is not just about style. It's about living a lifestyle that leaves people open to evolution and opportunity. This episode was hosted by Elise Gasparino, produced and edited by Alia Ballas. The music credit goes to Raspberry Music, and was brought to you by Style Canada.